Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we're talking about today's digital revolution and some of the crazy things that have gone on with the whole COVID-19 pandemic and the impact that that has had on our daily lives, on business, on how we work, where we work, and the type of work that we're doing. As you know, we've got a number of regular monthly guests here on Cloud Wars Live. We call them our digital all-stars. I'm really happy today to introduce our seventh digital all-stars, Bonnie Tenders, the founder and CEO of a research company called Raven Intel. And Bonnie's company evaluates sort of in a peer review way what's going on with some of the enterprise software companies. She's got some great experience throughout the software industry and really is the advocate in some ways for customers. So the monthly series from Bonnie, we're going to refer to as Tinder on customers. Bonnie, welcome to Cloud Wars Live. It's really great to have you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited about Cloud Wars. Wonderful. Uh, Bonnie, you sent over some wonderful ideas, really exciting things that you wanted to talk about. But give us a little bit of an idea about what your company does and what is, you know, if there is such a thing as a typical engagement you have with your clients, you know, from the buyer side and the types of questions that they are coming to you with and what their concerns are. What are they trying to get more out of in terms of a better experience? Um, a couple of years, I founded a company called Raven Intel, and as you mentioned, we are a peer review site, similar to like a Yelp or even a Glassdoor, but what we focus on is enterprise software projects, and uh, the problem that we help customers solve is picking the best consulting partner for a project to help increase their odds of success, and we give customers really an independent tool in our site, ravenintel.com, to look at um, a consulting firm's background and read uh, peer reviews from other customers who have gone through a project with that partner um, to essentially see their track record of success. And um, we've, over the last couple of years, conducted over 600 reviews of projects or these big digital transformations that you certainly talk about all the time. Um, so we've reviewed those, but we look at things very specifically from the viewpoint of the customer after a project has gone live. Um, and we do that to help future customers make a great decision about a partner because not all partners are created equal and choosing the right one is so critical to a project success. Um, so that is our mission in life is, is to help um, customers make a well-informed buying decision. Bonnie, that sounds great. <laughs> to give some perspective on that since you focus on the partners in these engagements, do you have an idea of what percentage of enterprise software projects involve a partner? Well, for some of the, the large ones, certainly all of the, the 10 that, that you focus on, I mean, it's, it's probably 85% of the time that a third party or these consulting firms, also known as SIs or system integrators, are, um, are, are necessary to lead one of these engagements. Um, you know, in some cases, the software vendor will do the implementation, but for the most part, these enterprise software systems employ a partner ecosystem for the bulk of the project work. Yeah, Bonnie, one other broad question I wanted to ask you was, um, I don't know, it, it, uh, my general sense of this is about two or two and a half years ago, there 
maybe it was three years, but no more than that. I think there was a real, it seemed to me, a tangible shift that enterprise software companies began to talk about customer success and the significance of that, not just a successful go live or deployment where the, the stuff actually got up and worked, but did it meet the needs and expectations of the customers? Uh, is that timetable roughly right? And is that something that you think most software vendors and their partners are now primarily focused on? I think so. And, you know, and I, I would also agree um, that term customer success um, became more of like a standard almost industry term across the board um, a couple of years ago. And I, when, when you think about that, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually kind of vague because, you know, the lifetime partnership of a customer, I mean, that's customer success as well as, you know, customer success during a, you know, a finite project um, is a different type of customer success. But, you know, what I think that, that, that I have realized is that what sets the tone for the long-term customer success um, of a partnership between the customer and a software vendor is so critical, you know, critically dependent on the customer success during implementation. And so if, if that goes wrong, that lifetime customer success is going to be jeopardized. And that's why literally, I, you know, I founded a business to look just at that point in time because it sets the tone. It's so rare when you have a bad implementation and a customer says, oh, but I still love my software vendor. No way. Never happens. Yeah, you, you, you build a house on swampland. It's uh, no matter how lovely the house is intended to be, it's, it's not going to work so well. That's right. That's right. That's a pretty powerful idea. What's top of mind for you when you think about that digital transformation projects in the COVID-19 era? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think COVID-19 has been just a massive reset for, for everybody. And if you think about the digital transformation projects that were in flight, so happening, you know, let's say prior to March, um, you know, I think the, you know, we were kind of clipping along and, and life was good. And, you know, there was, you know, we were able to sort of like, we, we didn't know how good we had it, you know, back, back then. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think in March, there was a shift. And, um, you know, we recently did a study where we looked at approximately 145 of these, these big projects that were in flight. And we asked customers, what happened? Did you pause them? Did you change the scope? All of those type of things. With, without a doubt, um, almost overwhelmingly, every single one of them changed the scope. Lots of them got canceled altogether um, or, you know, it was like the massive pause bit button was hit. And so, you know, digital transformation, I think all of a sudden the, the scope has changed in terms of, you know, what is most critical now in these projects, even if you were going along um, in the past and you had one sort of project outline that you were going with, um, now, uh, for the majority of customers, that game plan has changed. And, um, you know, so many customers in the study that we did, um, I think have been caught, you know, it's, it's their, their business has been trans, or I'm sorry, uh, disrupted in such a way that they've been asked to come up with 
sort of a new game plan entirely about the transformation that was underway. And they needed to really get creative to maybe help reinvent the business, reinvent distribution, delivery, the employee experience, all of those type of things that previously weren't, you didn't even think about, uh, you know, in, in February of this year. Um, so it's really radically shifted the blueprint of these projects and in a lot of cases accelerated the need for certain components to be delivered a lot quicker than, than maybe people had, had originally anticipated as well. And when you talk about that notion of the acceleration, I think it was uh, several weeks ago, the CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, said on their earnings call, I think it was the after he said hello to everyone, I think is the very first point he made, he said, uh, we have gone through two years of digital transformation in the past two months. And he said the the pace of change, the the pace of innovation, uh, the the requirements, the the timetables for how do we catch up? How do we hit on all those different areas you talked about? So, um, do you feel that your the the many customers that you speak to do they have confidence that they're going to be able to meet you know this extremely challenging set of demands? I think there's two critical skills that customers need right now, and that's flexibility and resiliency. Um, so, you know, so many of the, the folks that, that I have talked to haven't been able to take a break. Uh, I mean, this idea of vacation and all of that um, over the last several months is just, you know, that, that's, that's been disrupted as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think we're the really wise uh, companies or customers, um, you know, what they're doing right now is finding those critical few components of a project um, and, and isolating those, prioritizing those, and then, you know, um, doubling down on the efforts to deliver those in a timely fashion. But this idea that you mentioned, taking two years of a project and, and now um, shoving it into two months, I, we see it all the time. And, and yet other parts of the project, project um, that you thought were going to be in the in the driver's seat have all, all all of a sudden become almost irrelevant in some cases. So um, you know, certainly a rapid time frame um, is is the order of a lot of these projects. But knowing, I think what what the wisdom needed is is, is knowing what you can ignore and put in a different scope and what you really need to deliver to make sure that you're, you know, adapting the business for the, the needs of, of the day. I mean, that's fascinating. The, the two ideas you mentioned there, flexibility and resiliency. Could you talk a little bit about what do those mean for these customers and in what ways do they need to be flexible? And uh, what's the definition of resilience? Because I want to hear your perspective on that because one of our other uh, monthly guests had some thoughts on that as well the other day. And I, I'm curious to see if you're getting the same sense of the new resilience as, as he has seen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, when I think about the, the term flexibility, um, you know, so many of the, the projects, you know, have had this sort of, uh, you know, blueprint that have been put in place that all of a sudden, you know, that blueprint is out and we have a new one that needs to, to come in. And, this idea of being able to sell, sort of let go some of the things that that may have been a priority in the past, being flexible to adapt to sort of that new game plan 
is what I would say um, is important there. Flexible in terms of also the way the project is delivered. Um, you know, this idea that no longer is everybody able to get in the same room to collaborate on, you know, particular things and, you know, flexibility, even in the way that we um, communicate around a project, I think is, is important. Um, I think a lot of people have realized that, um, you know, this idea of in-person meetings and, and things like that isn't necessarily, um, isn't, isn't necessary to deliver uh, a project successfully. And so, I mean, there's some definitely silver lining in here, um, but flexibility about taking sort of the old operational method and, you know, um, you know, being able to adapt to distributed workforce as well as, you know, sort of a new blueprint, um, you know, very quickly. In terms of resiliency, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, particularly for vendors and for the, um, you know, some of the SIs, the, the partners that are delivering the work, I mean, they've really been stretched thin. You know, customers are not, you know, don't have, uh, they, their budgets have been reduced. They've been asked to cut expenses wherever possible. And so from the, the vendor side and from the SI side, I've seen a lot of um, goodwill happening, a lot of, you know, free programs being offered, creative financing, all of those type of things to help customers sort of get over the economic um, hump right now. Um, so the resiliency, I think a lot of times has come from the partnership side of things, um, you know, particularly from vendors and, and SIs who've had to maybe give a little bit more during this period of time, but hopefully they'll reap the, the long-term goodwill uh, eventually. When you say give a little bit, what is this in, um, what is it cost? Is it time? Is it uh, priorities? How does that uh, manifest itself? Yeah, I, I think it's it's all of the above. Um, I've seen a lot of the SIs, um, you know, create um, sort of templates and, and programs that allow employer, yeah, I'm sorry, employers to, um, you know, track, uh, you know, let's say employee health um, and, and things like that for free. And um, so a lot of the SIs have gotten creative with like these solution extensions and given them to clients to help them sort of quickly uh, go to market with, uh, you know, particularly around safety and compliance um, type of, uh, you know, tracking. A lot of them have stepped up and, and created these um, sort of, you know, almost free templates to aid in the process. Interesting, along those lines, it was uh, Tuesday of this week, Oracle had its uh, fiscal Q4 earnings call and their CEO, Safra Katz, very specifically said that it was the deeper relationships that we formed with our customers during the COVID crisis there that allowed them, the customers, to see Oracle in a different light. And she mm -hmm. said, since then, we've had a number of customers come back to us and say that they were going to increase the amount of business they did with us. So exactly those sort of yeah. flexible points that you're making there. Yeah. People are in a tough situation. They, they, you know, we'll all remember who was it that sort of stood by us and was willing to maybe do a little bit extra. The software vendors don't have the luxury this year of the in-person customer conferences because uh, those have all been canceled. And so I think the, more relationship building and more goodwill at this point and th that their sales teams are doing, 
uh, is going to pay dividends, uh, you know, certainly during the lifetime of uh, partnership with, with the customers. Now a word from our sponsor, BMC. In a world that's changing faster than ever before, the biggest challenge for businesses is creating fabulous customer experiences. That objective requires actionable insights and real-time agility from one end of your business to the other. BMC, they call this the Autonomous Digital Enterprise, and they've put together a set of solutions to help you anticipate what's coming, adjust accordingly, and acknowledge those changes from end to end. To start your journey to becoming an autonomous digital enterprise, please visit bmc.com slash ADE. So Bonnie, it's, it's interesting really what you said there about the, you know, those, those big vendor um, uh, events that were held every year. I mean, you know, they'd have thousands or tens of thousands of people come in. And as you said, that became in some ways uh, an integral part of sort of the annual cycle of uh, meet, chat, get to know each other, share ideas and so forth like that. And those are, um, you know, they're being switched over to all virtual and I've attended some of those and, you know, some of the content is quite good, but boy, it is nothing, nothing remotely like, you know, that notion of cramming uh, 40,000 people together in the same space for a few days. Yeah. And I think so much of the benefit of those, those shows, you know, was the idea that, you know, in the hallway, uh, you're able to connect with a client and hear the real story or have an offline conversation, um, you know, because of the physical proximity. And, you know, that's a, that's, that's going to be tough um, to not have that, both as a customer who wants to have those sort of real life peer interactions, as well as from a sales perspective, not being able to build those in-person uh, relationships. And, you know, I think we're seeing with um, you know, the online conferences, the, the content is great, um, but the idea of participatory com communication and things like that, um, you know, there's, there's no replacement for that. Yeah. Yeah. Bonnie, one of the things too, uh, you know, as you look across those uh, 600 project reviews you've done with customers, uh, are you finding that if you look at it industry by industry, are there some that have been jolted more severely by this than others? Without a doubt, um, you know, particularly uh, the from a um, from an employee standpoint, um, you know, there's the the obvious hard hit industries that have had to you know lay off employees, um, you know, travel uh, and hospitality. You know, those are the obvious ones um, that have have had to either put a, a, a quick pause on a project or have canceled a project altogether because they're so focused on, um, you know, sustaining the business um, in, in other ways. Um, I think though overwhelmingly we've seen no industry has been immune to this disruption, whether it's, you know, the obvious hardest hit industries or whether it's, um, you know, manufacturing and, and tech. I mean, there's every single, um, you know, business out there organization has had to deal with, you know, remote distributed work, um, a new distribution channel, and, you know, all of those type of things. And, you know, having that foundational technology supporting all of those efforts. But, you know, I think the long and short of it is no industry is immune um, from this disruption that, that we've seen.
Did you have a sense of the uh, the duration that this period of severe disruption is going to take? Uh, you know, are we in this for another quarter, a couple quarters, or a couple years? Any mm -hmm. sense of that? Well, from the the research that we did, we asked customers to estimate the duration of the impact. And um, overwhelmingly, um, six months was the shortest um, amount of impact, but I think the majority said this is gonna be a year long uh, impact before they go back to any sort of state of normal as it relates to um, you know, certainly future spending on IT projects and, and new, new software purchase. Um, so that, that's what we heard from customers. Again, you know, I think what we're realizing though is every every day is a new day, um, and what that reality will be will be will depend on you know how is unemployment trending, and you know do we see a second wave? Um, you know, are the the uh, industries that have been hardest hit are they able to get? back um, you know and, and rehire employees I think all of those components are going to be determine the level and um, the duration of the impact uh, that we'll see in the future as well so I think you know again we asked the customers the, the question um, and I think so many of them said hey I think it's going to be this um, but you know none of us have a magic wand right now yeah this notion of resiliency I think is interesting and I, I wanted to see if you come across some of this. It seems like, uh, you know, you ticked off quite a list of all the different things about businesses that have changed from supply chain to customer engagement, to work from home, to you know, how we sell, how we support, how we market and all of those things. And I think in the past, especially around the technology business, there's been a notion that resilience is you're plowing along, you hit a trouble spot, you've got to stretch or bend or contort yourself to get through the trouble spot. And then the resiliency is, how do I get back to normal? And in some ways, how do I get back to the way things were? And I just wonder, I, I think there's resilience in the future is going to be, how do I stretch to handle the current disruption and then remake myself to get into an entirely different and new type of future? And I, I wonder if that's reflected in what you're hearing from some of your customers? Without a doubt. Um, and I think, uh, you know, what is it? The, the term um, necessity is the mother of invention or the, that, that phrase. And one of the things that, that we're seeing and certainly, you know, I'm seeing just watching um, businesses sort of adapt is the level of ingenuity that is out there um, to, you know, look at things in a, in a radically new way and, again, re, reinvent themselves. I know, um, you know, as a business owner myself, um, you know, it's, it's caused a lot of introspection to say, you know, how do I personally and how does Raven be flexible um, with what customers are looking for in the future, knowing that, you know, all of a sudden that, it's been a shift to, I might have to take what I have today and augment it and stick with what I have for, you know, the next couple of years as opposed to a big capital purchase. And so I think, you know, back to the point of resiliency is that it's caused, um, you know, a lot of people to pivot their businesses. 
Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the best businesses are out there. We're thinking constantly about how do I shift with the market and we'll continue to sort of rise to the top. Everybody's been thrown a curveball. And uh, curveballs are okay, but when you're expecting a fastball and a curveball comes, right, you know, you better be resilient yeah. there at the plate. Bonnie, yeah. um, I wanted to ask also, uh, clearly, a, you know, a massive impact that we've all had to deal with on our own, with our employees, with partners, customers, has yeah. been the work from home revolution. And uh, what are you hearing about that? I think it's, it's here to stay. Um, I think that more people are realizing that there's no magic about going into an office as it relates to particularly to, to project work. Um, and I think that in the last several months have proven that work can continue to get done effectively, um, you know, in a distributed environment. Um, and, you know, even when companies take their, you know, and, and move back into a traditional environment, um, you know, there's going to be changes there. It's not like we're just going to go and, you know, back to normal again and, and the traditional setup is, is exactly how we go back. Uh, in the study that we did, um, we only had 20% of the respondents say that they'll go back to the way things were once this is over. And over 51% said that they felt more productive by being in a work from home environment as it relates to project work. And I think um, what, you know, the, the customer comments that I had seen was, number one, no longer were we waiting for approvals that sat on an executive's desk to happen. Because, you know, those, uh, you know, now, People are engaged and, you know, they're not on vacation anymore. They're not in meetings all day long. Um, so approvals got done a lot quicker. And this idea of meetings to have meetings, um, I think a lot of the superfluous update status meetings that were happening, um, you know, people said, hey, we don't necessarily need those to be productive here. And so, you know, this idea of Marie Kondo and let's get rid of the things that no longer serve us that happened during this this period and i think um you know this idea of, of um, distributed work and the fact that you can get a project done effectively without having expensive consultants flying in and being on site um, all of a sudden that became real and that's going to help companies save money in the long run uh, scott adams the creative dilbert he's going to have less material to work with right True, or or more because there's more, you know, work from home idiosyncrasies that happen now too. We've all seen those. <laughs> That's true. I have plenty on that. Bunny, I had two more questions for you. One is, I was thinking about this as you were describing some of those things about the level of ingenuity and the willingness for some companies to reinvent things, and this pace of uh, profound change that companies you either sort of have to embrace it and make it an asset. Or I think in many cases, you know, it's just going to crush some of these businesses. So the question I had was, um, I get the sense that, you know, for so long, uh, so many companies talked about, well, we're, you know, the business is over here and IT is over here and IT's job is to support the business. Like they were totally separate, fragmented entities. It seems 
like most businesses, if they're going to succeed in this new resonance, this new sense of ingenuity and reinvention that you described, they're going to have to fuse, not on an org chart, but those groups are going to have to work together more closely than ever before, right? Absolutely. This whole idea of the online experience and, um, you know, cloud distribution, you know, the ability to, you know, have connection um, with customers, with employees, um, you know, always available and, you know, this modern digital experience. Um, I mean, the last couple of months had made that so real and the businesses who were forward thinking and had um, you know, presence. I mean, you know, Amazon is the obvious one, but you know, that online shopping experience, those who had, who had already done the digital experience and were at the forefront, weathered the storm and came out on top versus the ones who had to close their doors and, you know, sort of reinvent themselves, you know, from the ground up. And so I think more than ever, um, you know, IT has come to the forefront of every business, no matter what it, what it is, even if you're a mom and pop shop, how do I distribute, um, you know, uh, meals or, um, you know, how do I um, appeal to even a local shopper who can't come into my store? And um, so I think it's, it's absolutely critical. It's changed the business equation. The last thing I wanted to ask about was, Please be sure to tell everybody where they can see your work, your research, your company's website. And if you would also tell us a little bit about where you got the name for your company. Yeah. Uh, Ravenintel.com is where you can read um, our research as well as look at peer reviews. We have over 200 partners uh, that are listed on our site um, and we'd be very happy for you to do that. Um, and the idea behind Raven, uh, like the bird, um, is that we are, we give customers um, as well as vendors a bird's eye view about what's happening in the market. And um, so that's bird's eye view um, is the, the quick answer to that. Um, however, if you're a nerd like me and you love Game of Thrones, um, uh, the idea of a raven, the send a raven, uh, the raven was sort of this messenger of truth between allies in the show. And the raven was trustworthy and the raven um, would help to very quickly send a message about what was happening. And so that's really the, the idea um, behind raven. Send a raven uh, is that we will, will help customers really be the harbinger of truth and, and tr transparency and what's going on in project work. It sounds like a great position to have and a great asset for businesses to be able to tap into a messenger of truth. So Bonnie, thank you so much. You know, it's a wonderful debut episode here at Cloud Wars Live. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. And folks, thanks to all of you, of course, for being with us. We hope you'll join us next time. And in the meantime, hope everything is going well for you. And let's try to do the best we can to get 30 or so million Americans back to work and tens or hundreds of millions of people around the world back to work as well. Thanks for your time. We'll see you soon.